Hey, welcome to Free Indeed. This is the podcast where we get into the word, tackle tough questions, get encouraged, and have lots of fun. Let's go. We serve a wonder-working God. He's not ashamed to call you his child. God is for you, not against you. What was meant for bad, he can turn for your good. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to Free Indeed. So today I'm going to be reading in Acts chapter 13, and I wanted to uh, focus on one of my favorite verses from this uh, chapter. And I guess uh, the subject of today would be God's forgiveness. So there's a certain verse in there that talks about the the reason or the idea, the, the, the main thing that we preach Jesus about is the forgiveness of sins. And of course, we know that's what the gospel is about. Uh, that's part of it. The other part is you, the old you died. Now you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now you're a new man, a new woman. You're a new being that has never existed before. I think some translations actually uh, word it like that. And it's cool because it never before in creation did God create another being like humans that were made to be compatible with receiving the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus and being a whole new creature. If you think about it, it's it's truly amazing. He didn't do that for any animal. He didn't do that for any kind of you know plant or anything like that. Only humans, and we're we are the the apple of his eye, the crowning jewel of his creation, if you will. So I just wanted to uh, really fill this episode with the value that God sees in us as His creation, because nowhere else in any other religion do you see really any teaching of value in you, and it's not to say that there isn't some teachings out there that maybe put an importance on, you know, taking care of your body or your mind or your soul or whatever. But most other religions, it seems like it's all about trying to be better, do better, achieve some sort of goal, and then you can be accepted by the universe or whatever, accept yourself, or, or now you're valid, you know what I mean? And it's really awesome because, uh, like one of my favorite Bible teachers, Andrew Farley, says, uh, you know, that that salvation is the starting line. You start off as a Christian already winning the race. It's it's not about trying to win a race of salvation to to hope that you'll be saved at the end. We start our experience, our journey, our adventure with Christ already having all of the benefits of a, of a victor, of a champion, of a winner. And then when Paul talks about renewing your mind, it's renewing your mind to the truths of who you are now. You know, it's, it's learning who you really are in Christ now. So without further ado, let's jump into some scripture. And I just, I want to start off with the prayer. So Father, I ask that the listeners... Uh, and for me, you would open our minds, open our understanding, Father, uh, that you would pour out revelation 
Let us receive from you your word right now. Let us leave this teaching better off than we were before, learning more, understanding more, and just coming into a deeper place of peace and power with you, Father. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, one other portion of scripture, if you're following along or wanting to take notes, besides Acts chapter 13, I'm going to be using Ephesians 1. So they, they kind of go hand in hand in a way, uh, you know, uh, most of the New Testament, it just, you know, God was so masterful in how he had the writers write the Bible, the inspiration that they received to word things the way they did. And then it just all lines up together to further give you a complete understanding and revelation of God's love for you, who you are now that you're a Christian, now that you've accepted Christ and just all the benefits that, that you receive as a Christian. And like I mentioned earlier, it's our job to just renew our minds now and rest in the finished work of Christ and realize that salvation, a perfect identity before God, everything is a gift of grace that we receive from Jesus. It is not something you can attain by perfect living. So don't even try. <laughs> I'm not saying live stupid. I'm not saying do stupid things because it doesn't matter. Obviously, uh, we want to live right. But for the sake of being saved and being a child of God, once you've received it, you already are a new being. You know, we're not doing, we're being. So so uh, let me start with Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And right there, immediately, he's Paul is saying, you know, this is the salutation. It's grace and peace from God and the Lord Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Man, that's... It's awesome because when Paul says he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, when you're in Christ, you've been given every spiritual good thing that you're ever going to need. You know, there may be some things in life that you're waiting for it to come to pass, but it still belongs to you, kind of like an inheritance. And in fact, it's just like an inheritance. It's still yours. It still has your name on it. And maybe you're waiting for it to come to pass, but it still belongs to you. Just stay strong, stay in faith, and wait for it to come to you. Just like a natural inheritance, there's a time to receive. And so just don't give up. You know, don't give up on receiving what you can find out in the Word of God that belongs to you. Verse 4 Just as He chose God, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And again, that's such an awesome verse because it's it's saying the the quality of your condition is blameless and holy before God in a loving relationship. And this is the style of relationship, the style of your identity before God, and he chose that for us before the foundation of the world. So before God made the world, before the fall, before anything, before you had a chance to do right or wrong, 
God chose the condition of a believer to be something that was going to be absolutely perfect in the spirit and acceptable before him. And that once you're a Christian, as far as God is concerned, it's saying here that you're holy and blameless. And it's love. There is love between you and God now as a Christian. And there's a blameless identity that you have now. So just take a moment to enjoy that and thank God that you can thank him on your worst day and say, Father, thank you that I'm still holy and innocent and blameless before you, despite what I may struggle with, despite the mistakes I've made. Thank you that you love me, that you chose for me to be in this blameless state of being before you, despite what my flesh struggles with, that the real me that's standing before you in the heavenlies is blameless and acceptable before you. Amen. So I wanted to jump over to Acts 13, and I wanted to get reading on that. So let's go ahead and start in verse 1. And just remember in Acts now, the early church has started. Paul is preaching Acts chapter 13. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called uh, Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They had also John as their assistant. Now when they had gone through the island of Tapaphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. So this leader, this uh, Roman uh, ruler, whatever his status was, I'm not sure, but his name was Sergius Paulus. And he wanted to hear the gospel. He was interested in hearing the word of God. So Elymas, there's a man named Elymas, verse 8. Elymas the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, or Bar-Jesus, this is the same guy. His, when you translate his name, it's Elymas. So we'll just call him that. So this, this false sorcerer, false prophet, uh, resisted them, or withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O fool of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind for not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So I wanted to stop for a minute and just emphasize how seriously God takes 
his church, his his gospel, his his children. God is serious about not getting in the way of hearing the gospel, the word of God. And, you know, for anyone that is standing against, you know, church movement, church growth, the the true gospel being preached, uh, I'm not saying that they're necessarily going to have this exact experience, but they, they are being resisted by God. So I wanted to speak a word of comfort to those that are worried right now. It's a crazy world out there. Um, we're all too well informed about every little bad thing that so many people are doing and saying online on all kinds of different platforms. Um, you know, and I just wanted to say, stay encouraged. Don't take in all the bad news that's going on. Don't listen to the same horrific story multiple times. Don't listen to every bit of bad news in each state or from around the world. Just you know, there's there's a time to be aware and informed to a uh, logical and sensible degree. And then there's a time to say, okay, enough bad news. I need to get my eyes back on God. I need to focus back on what real reality is, and that's what God says. God's opinion, his word, is the only reality you need to be concerned about. Because when you're a Christian, it doesn't matter what someone else thinks about you. If, if they don't like you, tough. If God loves you and accepts you, that's awesome. And good news. Jesus said in John 6, 37, chapter 6, verse 37, that anybody who comes to him, he will not turn you away. So I don't care how bad you've been. I don't care how unqualified you feel, how unworthy you feel. And Jesus promised anybody that comes to him, he will receive you. So just like this fake uh, bar Jesus guy, Elias, Elimus, uh, if he had wanted to hear the gospel as well. And if he wanted to receive the word of God and be saved, he would have received the same amount of grace that, that the pagan Roman ruler would have, you know, it's not that God was automatically seeking him out to, to do him harm. It's because when God sent his man, Paul there, the apostle of grace, you know, it, it, it just goes to show when God has somebody on a mission and that mission is being withstood or resisted from the devil, well, of course, God's going to win, of course, and and God's going to move out of the way anybody that gets in his way. So let that be a, a further word of comfort to anybody that's worried about what's going on in the world. God will deal with people the way he needs to, and it's not up to us as the church to make sure that there's no evil going on. I'm not saying not to resist it. Obviously, I'm saying just, you know, let God do what only God can do. You can pray and all that, and it's good, but there comes a, a point where only God can do what God can do. And all, all you can do is all you can do. And so, you know, do what you can pray, uh, you know, follow the leading of the Holy spirit in your life, but don't worry about the rest. Let God do what only God can do. So we are starting in verse 13. Now, when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Persia or Perga in Pamphylia and John, departing from them, returning to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia. And they went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets. So basically, here, here's this caravan of Paul and, and his, his crew. Uh, 
going to preach the gospel and they decide Sunday, you know, they're going to sit down at the local Jewish synagogue and just, you know, probably take a break and just see what's, what's going on there. And of course, they're reading from the law and the prophets. I mean, what else would you expect? So there they are in the synagogue and listening to the law and the prophets being, being read or the, you know, the Old Testament, if you will. So after reading the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them saying, men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So they, you know, they, they took him on as friends and they said, hey, if you've got something good to share, uh, share it. We'd like to hear it. So then Paul stood up, verse uh, 16, Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen, the God of this people, Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. Now for a time of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. So when God brought the children of Israel to the promised land of Canaan, with giants and everything, um, he he gave them the spoils of, of victory. The, they got the land and everything, and that's what it's talking about. So after that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. So remember, until Saul, the first king of Israel, God wanted to lead his people. God wanted to be the one his people looked up to, not some political figure. Let that sink in. So after he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet, and afterward they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. From this man's seed, according to the promise of God, and the, according to the promise of God, raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. After John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not he, but behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to you the word of this salvation has been sent. So Paul, Paul backed up to basically the beginning of the nation of Israel after they had been set free from the captivity of uh, being captive to Egypt. And he gave them a little brief summary. Obviously, that's what we just read is a brief summary of their history and the promises. And now Jesus is that fulfilled promise. And he's trying to, he's trying to explain this to them so they can see uh, this Jesus, the one they rejected, was the one that God promised. He's setting up a timeline for them to see where they're at and what they've done and what's going on. To you, the word of this salvation has been sent. Verse 27. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Now when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. 
So Paul is, is reiterating to them, look, he did raise from the dead and he was seen by many people many times after that, proving his divinity, proving his victory over death. And, uh, and here's, here's even better proving his victory in defeating your worst sins forever, past, present, and future, and securing a righteous and blameless identity because he who knew no sin became our sin so we could be free, so we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when he rose with no sin, well, who whose sin did he rise without? Yours. It means your sin was put away. Your sin is gone. It's cast as far as the east is from the west. It's destroyed. There's a verse in Isaiah talking about he wipes our sins away like a thick cloud. And I've always loved that verse because if you think about it, think about a cloud. You're never going to see the same cloud twice. It's impossible for the for an identical cloud formation to repeat itself. And once a cloud blows away in the wind and dissipates, it's gone. And you're going to forget what it looked like. Everyone else is. The sky will not remember what that cloud looked like. It's gone. It's as if it never happened. It might as well be counted like it never happened. So hopefully that blesses somebody out there. It always blessed me thinking about your sins are as easily put away for God as if the wind is blowing a cloud into oblivion and just dissipates and disappears. Your sin has disappeared from God's heavenly accounts. Amen. And when we declare to you glad tidings, that's what I just did, that promise which was made to the fathers, Jesus was the promised Messiah, made to the fathers, you know, the old prophets in the Old Testament and things like that. Verse 33, God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus as it is also written in the second Psalm. You are my son, today I have begotten you. And that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus. I just want to say really quick, that phrase right there, no more to return to corruption, no more to die again. He's not going to have to die again for your sins. He died one time and it was perfect forever. And you are never going to return to corruption either. Amen. You're never going to be the old sinner you once were. It doesn't mean that we never mess up. But when you mess up, it, it, your identity is not tied to every choice you make. And, and in fact, that you know, I've taught in previous episodes and if you want to you know, look up additional teachings and stuff like that online and just read the word for yourself in the New Testament, you will see that your identity as a Christian on that, on the other side of the cross never comes up for question based on a choice that you've made. So let that, let that bless you. So he'll never return to corruption. He has spoken thus. I will give you the sure mercies of David. God has the mercies of David for you. He has even more mercy for you. I mean, you could read throughout Psalms and see how good God was to David, but guess what? We have it even better. And that's awesome. That blesses me to think that, I mean, most of us would just settle for at least as good as David, right? But no, it's even better. We're not under law. When we mess up, we don't have to expect punishment because Jesus took our punishment on the cross. We can thank God that we're forgiven. If you mess up, you can just say, God, help me to get over this. I thank you. I know you will. You'll give me power to overcome this. And God is not going to be less merciful to you than he was to David. And guess what? There's even more mercy 
in this new covenant of grace on this side of the cross. As a born-again child of God, you have a better relationship than David had with God. Verse 33, Therefore he also says in another psalm, You will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, or he passed away. He was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. Therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you couldn't be justified by the law of Moses or by the trying to achieve perfect righteousness on your own. Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken to the prophets comes upon you. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. So he's <laughs> he's reading to them a prophecy that was meant for the Jews of that day, that though they saw Jesus heal people, raise people from the dead, provide miracles for people, take the sins on the cross, and there was a great earthquake and darkness, and the, the veil of the temple was torn, and then he rose three days later and was seen by multiple people multiple times until finally he, you know, uh, at some point quit appearing to people supernaturally. All this, and God is saying, and you still don't believe. And he, he's saying, behold, you despisers. So he's, he's saying, those that you, you can see the power of God on display, you know in your heart it's right, but you still despise God and deny him. You deny the true Christ. You deny the reality of God and deny salvation. The only thing that will keep you out of heaven is if you just keep denying it, you know? You know, I... The, I've, I've made it clear through these teachings and, and the Bible makes it clear uh, that, you know, there's grace for when you mess up. The only thing that keeps you out of heaven is not receiving it. You know, it, this it's really simply what it all boils down to. And anybody who's truly received it and become born again, that's what happens when you receive God's grace and believe in his son, Jesus. The, the effect of that is you become born again. Um, there's I, I truly believe nobody who is truly born again, whatever... Uh, renounce it. And even if you had said something stupid in the past, but you didn't mean it, there's grace for you too. You know, uh, we're all in varying degrees of renewing our minds and walking after the spirit more consistently and being more like Jesus. Some of us have more residue of the old man, which is what the flesh is. It's actually not your physical body. The flesh is, if you will, the remnants of the old lost person that used to live in this earth suit is still trying to function now that you're in the seat, the new you, the born again you. And unfortunately, this physical brain, this, you know, several pound piece of uh, flesh in your skull remembers the old things you did, the old things the old person did. Let's make a clear distinction. There was an old spirit in this earth suit you are a new creation in Christ Jesus if you have accepted Christ as Lord. You have to unfortunately share the same memory space as the old person in the same physical body. However, God has foreseen all of this in his divine providence and given you the ability to renew your mind according to the word of God and choose to believe it over any other voice. And he's provided benefits of the kingdom, healing, deliverance, miracles, so on and so forth, prosperity, um, you know, real prosperity, not not, uh, you know, five jumbo jets and five mansions and 
stuff like that kind of abuse of it. But anyway, um, so he, he knew that we would have to deal with the fact that we still maybe feel like the old person, but you're not. It's like getting into a car you just bought, but you know the previous owner was a smoker. And I'm not hating on anybody that you know struggles with smoking. I'm just using this as an example. And you can tell, even though they've cleaned it, it's like it has that clean smoker smell. And you're the new operator, right? You're a new person, but you're using a car that was used by somebody else, and it has the residue of someone who had been there before you. And unfortunately, you may have to smell that stinky smoke smell. But you are not that stinky smoke smell. You did not put the stinky smoke smell there. And if you, for some reason, come out of the car smelling like the smoke, you can know that you know it wasn't you. It, it, it was the old person who used to own that car. It wasn't really you that did it. So I hope that helps somebody. It was just an analogy that came to mind, and I thought it, uh, it worked pretty good for like, Whenever you're a Christian and you, you know, sometimes you still sin, mess up and, and you struggle with like, am I really born again? Am I really the new person? Yeah. But you have two other factors working against you all the time. You have your flesh, which again is the residue of the old person. And you have this physical body with its limitations. Well, actually you have three and you have your soul. Now your soul is your mind, will, emotions, personality that has been shaped. And most of us have experienced, you know, trauma or things like that, that, uh, you know, you're shaped and warped to a degree by this fallen world. It's just the sad reality. I'm not saying we all are, are super messed up or anything, but we all have varying degrees of, uh, trauma or abuse or whatever it may be that, uh, shapes a little bit of your, your natural thinking, kind of your soul, you know, how you, how you operate and view things. And that is another opponent to this born again spirit that now is inside of us, the, who we really are. And we have that to contend with as well. So there's several factors that would cause a Christian to sometimes not perform or live up to maybe your own expectations. So anyway, so Paul is saying here that even though somebody was to declare it to you, uh, it, this was a prophecy from from God that uh, there was there would be these these Jews that even though they would see these things and have somebody clearly and intelligently lay it out for them really clear, they still wouldn't believe. So when the Jews went out, verse 42, out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. So there you go. The heathens, the <laughs> the non-Jews, the pagans, the, the dross of the world, if you will, um, they were ready to receive. And I think that's why sometimes... Uh, anybody out there that's struggling to receive healing or a miracle and you feel like, well, I've done this for God, this for the God, I've, I've, I've served him, I've done this, that, and the other, and I still haven't seen what I want. I'm just going to quit helping. I'm going to quit serving. I'm going to quit doing this and that. Um, you know, if, if you would be ready to receive and just simply believe, that's all God requires of you. You don't have to earn kingdom benefits that God already promised to you. Amen. Now, when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul. So see, there were some that did believe, praise God. And Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God, not in the law of God, not in reading the, the law and the prophets, the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes... When they saw that 
there was a bigger crowd for grace teaching and preaching than religiosity. They didn't like it. They were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. So the Bible here is equating resisting the gospel to contradicting and blasphemy. So, ouch. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, so don't, don't tell me you can't ever be firm or strong or stern with grace because you can. So then Paul and Barnabas got bold with it and they said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it, talking about the Jews, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles, for so the Lord has commanded us. So he's saying, look, you've you had your chance. And, and any, at any point, these people could still repent. It's not that they can't. He's just saying, look, you had your chance. Now we're going to go to the Gentiles because you, you won't even hear us anymore. And you get mad when we have bigger crowds than you, even though that's not what it's about. But it's like, obviously, people are going to flock to good news, not bad news, right? He quotes another verse. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. There's another Old Testament prophecy that salvation is for everybody. Salvation is for Gentiles, for everybody. Anybody that's non-Jew, Jew, everybody. So uh, don't let anyone ever tell you that, you know, it's, uh, you know, you're not part of some odd number from some ethnicity, so therefore you can't go to heaven. That's just a bunch of nonsense. Now the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and they glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city and raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, friends, I hope you got something out of this today. This was really good. I feel like I could go on and on. But honestly, I wanted to keep this episode uh, brief to a degree. And don't worry. I'm sure I'll be uh, teaching from these parts of the word again. And maybe later on I can go a little deeper. But let me close it out with a prayer. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this word. We thank you for the word of your grace. We thank you so much that salvation is for everybody. The nationality doesn't matter. There's no Jew, Gentile, or Greek, male or female in Christ. We're all one and the same in the spirit when we become saved. We thank you, Father, that uh, anybody can believe and receive. Thank you so much, God. As long as we have breath, th there's never a hopeless moment. We can always have hope and knowing that you are good and that you want good things for us, Father. We just thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll catch you next week. And remember, if this has blessed you, if you have any prayer requests, uh, questions, feel free to send me an email at freeindeedshow at gmail.com. Also, if you enjoy what you're hearing and you'd like to hear more of this uh, and you'd like to support me, you can click the link in the description. And thank you so much for any donations. Uh, anything helps, obviously. And eventually, once I get a little more set up and capable i would love to send out uh, just little gifts of appreciation and things like that for those that like to support the ministry and help me do what i do so thank you so much and we will catch you next time god bless and remember if the sun sets you free you are free indeed